This is a download from Wireless Theatre Kids and is suitable for children aged 7 to 11. The Tale of Tommy O'Quire, Part 2 Now that Tommy's out of Dunwit, he unrolls his map to find his place and trace his road towards the old abandoned mine. He knows the mine from folklore, he knows the mine from myth, a place where many men have died, rocks fell and put them on death's list. But the map tells him that the treasure's there, through the wide mouth of the cave, and into the bowels of the earth where many miners' graves are made. The terrain is now not boggy. In fact, it's cold and hard and plain. And Tommy trudges up the mountainside as the sun starts to wane. The light's fading now, thinks Tommy. I'd better make a camp. Though I've no fuel to make a fire and the ground is very damp. The sun soon drops and the wind starts to blow. And Tommy's all exposed. He huddles under a sparse gorse bush and can't sleep because he's froze. Some hours later, it's midnight dark. Tommy's still here and the wolves start to bark. One hand on the map, the other on his knife. He's feeling in trouble. He's ready for some strife. Tommy's knees are knocking and he's now sorry he eloped. He trembles under the little gorse bush as he hears something approach. He slashes in the darkness with his blade of bloody steel. Don't come no closer or I'll have ye. Scared he'll end up something's meal. Can't we make a deal? I give you gold, our Tommy pleads. But wolves have little need of gold. They neither write nor read. What they like is red, raw, flesh, bones, sinews and entrails. One of them jumps at Tommy, but on his knife it is impaled. That's one, O'Quire shouts as the wolf's blood runs down his fist. Then in the blackness jumps another one and suddenly there's a tryst. Both wolf and man roll on the ground, how they struggle, how they wrestle. But Tommy gets the upper hand and in the wolf's throat a knife is nestled. Tommy slumps back, exhausted, cut, his body is all bitten. And finally, when the sun comes up, his foes have all been ridden. Tired but alive, Tommy O'Quire stands ready for his mission. He marches on through the mountain land till the mine is within his vision. A gaping hole out of the rock face cut is the mine's only entrance. But to be sure, Tommy checks his map, then notices that it mentions. Beware the mine of Carrick's coal if you do seek the treasure. Many enter, but none do leave. All will die for the ghost's pleasure.
Tommy marches to the cave's great maw and bellows into the opening. I'm coming for the treasure now, and with ghosts I'm used to coping. So get back into your stony graves before I begin my quest. Although I'm tired, beaten and bruised, I'm still sure to try my best. And in steps Tommy following an ancient rusted iron track. In the depths, spirits start to wail, for Tommy there's no turning back. Down and down walks O'Quire, past broken tools and beams and hats, and many an old lantern that would shield against the black. If only one worked, thinks Tommy, as he scrabbles in the gloom, testing each and every lantern to see if one'll give light's bloom. Just then, his hand hits something, resting against the cold rock wall. Tommy's in luck. This one works. No longer in darkness Tommy trawls. When the lamp is lit, he surveys the scene. There are stones of every hue. Pinks and reds and greys and greens. Colours heaven here has attuned. These alone look precious. These alone look grand. But Tommy's just not interested. He's fixed on his golden plan. And descending down, the rock turns brown. Twilight and then jet. The coal which gave the mine its name juts from the mine wall yet. And why was the mine abandoned with its riches not exploited? Coal faces still have to be picked, but why was the work avoided? The answer lies a short way off where our Tommy's yet to tread. Under rock and wood and broken bones, the spirits of the dead do rise and flex their ethereal forms as they hear another fool approach. They form a ready line of attack. On their graves, Tommy does encroach. Whoa, what's that? calls Tommy as he comes to the broken mine shaft though his attention is not on the mine, but on the evil witchcraft that must have brought these miners back from the edge of heaven. He looks up and down their glowing forms and counts them one to eleven. One of the ghosts seems to clear his throat and cries unto his fellas, Attack my lads with picks and staffs, send the living to the gallows. The lamp is dropped. The light goes out, but still the miners glow. As they charge towards our Tommy with their battle cries in flow, their picks are raised, all ready to send Tommy straight to hell. Tommy tries to draw his blade, but against the fleshless threats won't sell. Ha <laughs> ha! They laugh as Tommy vainly tries to run them through. But what's visa is versa. Their picks aren't real, so they can't harm him too. After some time of grabbing and stabbing with knife and pick and staff, all slump back in exhaustion, all feel quite like a silly ass. Let's call it a draw, suggests one miner, and the other ten give a nod. We fought a noble battle, lads, but being dead's a heavy load. Well, being alive's not all that swell, pipes up Tommy in retort. If you're poor, live on an upturned boat, and in treasure your hopes are wrought. The miners begin to chuckle, guffaw. Soon they're laughing, ghostly tears. 
<laughs> if money's all you care about, then you needn't have no fears. We'll point you in the right direction, toward the treasure hoard. It's down that ladder, second right. Just follow your map's course. Tommy, puzzled, scuttles past and starts down the ladder's steps. The ghost miners stand there smiling still. Is Tommy cursed or blessed? The steps are shaken, the wood is damp, the rope is worn. So careful, careful, Tommy creeps down and spies a floor that's torn. With cracks and gaps, crevasses, holes that all choir must dodge. If he's to attain that mighty prize that his mind is thinking of. But how can Tommy see it all when he no longer has a light? The answer is that between the gaps it's incandescent, bright. It's hot down here. Oh, hot indeed, says Tommy, wishing he could leave. I'm sweating buckets. The air's like fire and I can barely breathe. Tommy gazes down a crevasse from where the light does come and espies a searing lake of hell where below the lava runs. Tommy opens up his map for one last final peek and sees that across this riven way are the riches that he seeks. He takes one step, then two, then three. On a seam he starts to wobble. He tilts across the lake of fire and feels he's in much trouble. And while he's tottering, the map drops out from his open pocket. It falls into the flaming depths and soon there's nothing of it. Alas, alas! groans Tommy, as he starts to regain his balance. It's only my memory and me. I now rely on my own talents. Hop, run, jump, strafe, balance, leap. Sidle, canter, walk, then creep. Over hot coals are Tommy's going, while below the lava is still aflown. With one final fling, young Tommy's true, and in front of him's a chest. The map has been true. The chest is made of oak and wood and clamped with iron brace and locks. Tommy doesn't have a key, but from coins he won't be blocked. He shoves his knife in the lid's lips and tries to pry it open. Then gradual, slowly, it begins to budge. Crack! It's just been broken. O'Quire pushes back the lid to see gold and silver burnished. His quest is done, wrapped up and neat, and with wealth he has been furnished. There's more, I hear you cry, 
but the quest has been completed. Our Tommy got the gold he sought. He's rich and been right treated. We suppose he got back through Carrick's Coal and the Wood of Dunwit, and back to his old childhood town, started where the story is writ. Well, listeners, in this final canto, there's something more to tell. When hero villain Tommy did return, something new befell. Tommy entered the town that night, laden with a sack of money. He hadn't eaten for a day or so and said, I feel quite funny. I could use a plate and a glass of tree of Muldoonie's finest stout. And with these riches at my side, I can afford it without doubt. And so he marches through the town under a stormy nighttime sky. He approaches old Muldoonie's pub and the door's latch he does try. The place is as it was before, Muldoonie's drawing glasses at the bar, with drinkers huddled into corners and the walls still stained with tar. Tommy swaggers through the smoke and slaps his swag bag down, cries, Tonight my belly will be filled by the finest fare in town. O'Quire is reeling out his orders for whiskey, food and beer, when Muldoonie slams down a dirty glass, looking at him queer. I see your purse of pounds just there, sitting within my reach, and I know that I could serve you with my wines and rarest meats. A good profit too, I'd be sure to make all my regulars are poor, but your gold may as well be lead, and your silver, apple cores. Muldooney shakes his head and says, No murderer's coin I'll take, for if I did, I'd be a killer too, and I won't make that mistake. Is that so? Snarls Tommy and draws out his steely edge. Then I'll open your guts and get another to take the barman's pledge. You speak of a pledge, that's good, says Muldooney with a smile. Because all have took the same pledge as me in this town you have defiled. What rot? spits Tommy into the barman's face and backs off to the exit. I'll take my riches somewhere else to those who will accept it. Then Tommy swears and Tommy leaves to find a friendlier place. But all pubs are closed, all places shut to Tommy's notorious face. Tired and starving, Tommy wanders back to his upturned boat. He throws his booty bag on the sand and knows it's not worth a groat. Now skulking with his rats and mice, he tries to fall asleep. And to his boat, in Tommy's mind, water and guilt seep. And all the people kept their word. No coin from Tom they took. Only charity did he receive. They loved the man, but not the crook. And the loot bag, eventually, became a little mound of moss. And in time, the upturned boat became flotsam, jetsam, dross. To live alone and without love, no one does aspire. But such was the lot of our friend, the wretched Tommy O'Quire. The Tale of Tommy O'Quire was written by Craig Jordan Baker. All voices were performed by Paul Socket. It was recorded and engineered at Garden Studios London. 
The Tale of Tommy O'Quire was produced and directed by Sally Beaumont for Wireless Theatre Kids. Please visit www.wirelesstheatrekids.co.uk for more children's audio downloads.